0: way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, possibly for the last time here at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach. Wouldn't that be glorious? (laughs) If you have no idea what I just said, you haven't been following along in Revelation and uh, ding, ding, go back to chapter one, start over. I don't know about you, but I would like to not teach this ever again. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Revelation 22, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, cre- clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there was no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall Shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be upon their forehead. And there shall be no night there, no need for a lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy Prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. For behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy and of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant of your brethren, the prophets, of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said unto me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand or nigh. And he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And again, behold, I come quickly. For my reward is with me to give to everyone according to their works. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now blessed are those who do His commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immoral, murderers and idolaters and those who love and practice the lie. Now I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. For I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright in the morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirst, come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life, listen to that word, freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him to the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away a part, uh, his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things that are written in it and in, the, in this book. And he who s- testifies to these things said, Surely I come quickly. Even so, Maranatha... Even so, Lord Jesus, come, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, or in the southern version, all y'all, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, and what a powerful chapter to end mankind's revelation of Jesus Christ, what you have declared to us, and Lord, what a rich blessing it has been these months And we do pray, Lord, as John at the end, Maranatha. Our hope is in you, not in this world, not in man, not in governments, not in our riches. But it is the one who hung upon the cross and the one that gives us life. And even at the end, you call out to those who are hungry and thirsty to come. For you want all to come to repentance and that none should perish but that all should have eternal life. And so bless our time today in Jesus' name, amen. So last week was the last move you'll ever make. Remember that? It was last week. Today is you can't improve on perfection. Everybody got that? You can't improve on perfection. And we'll see that through the middle portion of this section. Last week we saw... Our new home from the outside. John was taken up into a high mountain, a hill, and he was able to see this grandeur of this 1,500 mile cube on a new planet that God created, and this is where we will be dwelling. You know, the fallacy when people say they're gonna dwell in eternity in heaven is not really true at all. We're not going to heaven, we're going to eternity, and eternity is wherever Jesus Christ is. It's not even a destination. It's a person to be with him. And John wraps that up so beautifully with this this chapter, and he says, where are you going to be? Now that you know all of these things, now that you have read 22 chapters of Revelation, where are you going to spend eternity? So last week was an overview. Now we come into the city. We still don't have a whole lot of information. But in verse 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear and crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and, f- and from the Lamb. And in the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Now, it's interesting that we are at the end of the Bible, and the beginning of the Bible spoke of the tree of life as well, was it not? that he planted a garden, and in the midst of that, he placed Adam there. And in the midst of the center of the garden, he put the tree of life. And when Adam fell, he had to be, um, well, he he had to get kicked out of the garden of Eden, for God said, uh, well, maybe he'll partake of the tree of life, and that he would live forever in his sin. And And because of God's grace, and because of his mercy, he exiled Adam and his wife, Eve, outside of that. Well, now the tree comes back. And now it, it is for the healing of us, the people and of the nation. And, and again, from last week, and I think a lot of people got tired of me saying, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this even means. It, it would seem that after Jesus' resurrection, he ate, right? He prepared uh, food for his guys while they were disobeying and going fishing. And he provided food for them. And here it seems that there is food for us as well. Notice, yielding its fruit every month. What will it be like? I don't know. Because I make all things new from last week. And we have no idea. And I, I really want to hit this home for the last time is that it doesn't matter. Stop writing books on what you think eternity will be because it won't be what you think it is because you're using your human brain to try to comprehend something that is new that you don't even have a transformed body to think of the new. Do you get it? We often want to use this little brain... to to figure out what is coming and write a book about something that in the last couple of chapters, he says, I make all things new. Whatever it is, you will be astonished, amen, and you will go, wow, that was amazing. I'm glad Pastor Ron didn't try to figure it out for us and ruin the surprise. Whatever it is, It is going to have the lamb and it will have the father there and of course the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 3 it says there's no more curse. And the idea of the curse on the land, uh, on mankind, that mankind will toil and labor for his bread. No longer is that and now we are in an eternal rest. And the idea is that we rest in him. But it does tell us that we serve him. What does that mean? Are you ready for it? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I know what it means to serve people now and to be a servant of the Most High God. What will that look like? I I really don't know. That's why the majority of the message is after verse 6 because what we're looking at is something that is a preview. Remember, it was a brochure, but it does not have all of the information that we need. There's a couple of things in here. It says there'll be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. So eternity, again, is not a place. It's a person. It's wherever God is. And that, just this is free, is where you want to be. Verse 4 says, They shall see His face, and His name shall be upon their forehead. Now, There is great debate over this. I'm not sure why there is debate. Um, Whose face? Well, we've already seen Jesus' face. Could it be the Father's face? When he talked to Abe in the wilderness, right? And Abraham says, Lord, I want to see you. And he says, Look, you cannot see me. If you see me, you will melt. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, and when I pass by, I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'll cover you, and you'll just see the end of me, which is the contrail, and just the contrail of God alone made him uh, stark white. And that is in the body that you and I know. So that means that this body that we know cannot comprehend seeing God who is in spirit and in truth, the Father. So when we get our new body that is transformed without sin, amen, without pain, without sorrow, perfect, could it be that that body gets to look upon the Father? Could be. Are you ready for it? I don't know. Could be. Could it mean as in uh, the Old Testament, when it talks, to, uh, talks about um, Abraham, not Abraham, Moses talking to God as one who talks to him face to face in an intimate setting, could that be that we will be on that, that kind of level with our Lord? Could be. All I know is that we have upon our forehead the name of our God. Notice there will be no night there, no need for a lamp, nor sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And what is that? (laughs) That's eternity. How long is that? It's a long time. It's so long a time you're outside of time. Because being outside of time, you don't know that there's time, therefore you don't see the clock going by, therefore uh, we go to the place where God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit dwelt before and still do before he created all things. But from last week, behold, I make all things new. Could there be something new, some kind of new time thing? Could be. Verse 6, and then he said to me, these words are faithful and true in the Lord God, and the Holy Prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Note with me that he said these things are faithful and true. Why does he say that? Now, from this point on in this chapter, he is referring to the entire book of Revelation. So this is the epilogue, right? It's the end of it. It's the final thoughts of Jesus to us. And he's looking at the entire book. So why is he saying the entire book is faithful and true? Because Jesus knew that there will be people who will try to come against this book, even in the church, to discount its power and its uh, relevance. It is amazing to me that we are living in uh, 2021 where those in the church don't think that studying end times Prophecy or studying the book of Revelation is important for our day. That to me blows my mind. Um, at the turn of the century, the last century, not this one. Woo, the last one. For the most part, do you know churches, uh, most churches did what we do now, which was take th- people through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But as liberalism came inside of the church and started to change it and people started to look at the Bible as, uh, well, we're not sure if God really said that or that version is correct or this or that. And they started to uh, give it allegory, right? It, it isn't inherent anymore. We really don't believe in this thing and that thing. Then you started to see people walk away from teaching the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so they, they start to not see the power that's in it. In fact, Paul will say that. He says in the end times, people will deny the power that is within God's word. Can I just ask this question? Why are you going to church then? What is the purpose of church? I post to you because human beings like relationship, but they don't like necessarily God telling them what to do. They would, they'll come to church and then they'll find a church that won't tell them all the things that they are doing wrong and sinning and they'll pick a church that they can literally live in their lifestyle their entire life and not hear God speak one word about their sin. I hope, and again, this is not me just bragging, but I hope I offend everybody. <laughs> At some point in your life, Coming to Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach, you will be offended, listen, at your sin. I'm not trying to do it purposely and trying to anger you, but I am trying to challenge you by his word. What I love about what I I get to do and the privilege that I get to do week in and week out is declare God's word to people and then people come up to me and say, I've never heard that before in my entire life going to church. How is that possible, Pastor, that I can go my entire life and never hear about those issues of life? (laughs) I say it's the failure of the modern-day American Christian church that is more focused on entertaining you than educating you. We live in a world today that is about amusement rather than education. Educating what's right what the founding fathers wanted, what the documents hold. And we just throw them all the way because, well, we don't like them. And people do the same thing with God's word. And so think about this. God has to say at the end of the book, hey, everybody, what I wrote is faithful and it's true and you can take it, modern uh, phrase, to the bank. In fact, you can take it to eternity. Now, that word he uses that must uh, uh, shortly take place, and the idea is quickly or a better translation is suddenly, and the idea is when it gets going, listen, how fast did 19 to 21 happen in the world? How fast did that blow by? How fast did the implement, I'll get it, implementation because I'm good at English, of communism and Marxism happened so fast in our world, in the country that doesn't even hold to it, and the giving up of rights. I said this in the very beginning of the pandemic, sitting in that chair on that stool right here sitting when we, we closed just a couple of weeks, and I said I was amazed at how fast Americans gave up their liberty just because they were afraid of something that someone told them to be afraid of. Well, it's perfect, isn't it? We just walked through the last 36 messages in the time in which we are living, preparing people to receive a mark upon their right hand or on their forehead. An allegiance to Satan and to a world system and a world power. Guys, you need to be praying for Australia. Those people have lost their minds. They are in complete and utter East Berlin lockdown. And the churches are not meeting. They cannot. They will be arrested. What world are we living in? when you cannot go worship in the house of God. In Australia, I thought that was one of our sister nations. You know, freedom and, and all. No. So how quickly, how suddenly have all of these things started to ramp up? We are living in the suddenly. We haven't been living in the suddenly. And now it is getting going. That's why I said it may be that I will never teach this book again. All right, good, thank you. At least I can move on. As long as I get one of those every once in a while. Verse seven, red letters. By the way, there's a bunch of uh, verses in here that should be in red letters. And they're not, we'll make mention of those. But the first one, Jesus speaks and he says, behold, I come, and the idea is again, suddenly. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, Jesus said. I come suddenly, I come quickly. Again, we think quickly of, of a time period, but it's not of a time period. It means when it happens, it's... Listen, if God allows us, I'm not sure he would because we would get too excited and just be down here at church in sleeping bags, is that if we see Russia... Uh, amassing an army with Iran at Israel's border, it's on. I know it because it's in Ezekiel 38 and 39. we just come down here. We'll have plenty of coffee. Let's get some snacks for everybody. We are going home. That's why I think we won't know because then God's like, you won't be good for anybody. You'll just be hanging out, and they'll think you're a weird cult commune, people. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to occupy until we get out of here. So behold, I come quickly. Now listen to this. Blessed is he who you keeps the words of this prophecy and of this book. Now where did we hear that before? We heard that in the beginning of Revelation. It said this in verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear and those who keep the things that are written in it for the time is near. And we made mention that this is the only book in the Bible that has a specific blessing for those who read it and then here today those who hear it. So for 36 messages, you, uh, you have been blessed, hopefully. And that is the idea. But listen to the last portion of verse 3. And blessed are those who keep it. Now, this is what Jesus is saying. You have heard all of this book of Revelation. What are you going to do about it? It's not enough just to come and to be entertained by these messages. Or to apply it to our modern time. But what are you going to do about it? And the idea is keeping means to. It's a military term. To guard. I'm going to bring it into my heart. And I'm going to chew upon it. Lord what would you have for me? Blessed is he who keeps the words. Of the prophecy of this book. Now think about that for a minute. I didn't mean to use logic. But think about the churches who don't read Revelation. They don't there is not a blessing upon them to hear what God is revealing to the world and to the church. Now, I, John, verse 8, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things, And he said, see that you do not do that for I am a fellow servant of your brother and the prophets and those who keep, notice he says that, I keep the words of this book and he says, worship God. I think the last portion of that is perfect. What is the purpose of revelation? It's right there. To worship God. Because you see, His power, do you not? But you see His grace through the entire book, amen? You see Him time and time again pouring His grace upon a world that doesn't deserve it. When the first seals are being opened, He is giving people, He pauses, He puts angels and witnesses all around the earth to give people an opportunity, and yet they still reject that message. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Or you might have an older version that says, nigh. The time is getting close. You and I are living in a time closer to the return of Jesus than any time in the church history. Isn't that good news? You're beating Charles Spurgeon. You're, you're beating D.O. Moody. Moody. And the Wesleyan brothers, right? This is amazing, the time in which we are living in. They were not living in times where they saw the book fulfilled before their very eyes, but we do. It's like the time of the apostles and of the book of Acts, seeing God work through them. And he is doing that still once again. And verse 11, you might be a little confused. It's okay. I am too. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Pretty clear to me. One good old dead guy in his commentary said it this way. He said, the thoughts here are probably something like this. Since Jesus is coming so suddenly, there won't be time for a change. There will be no time for the last-minute repentance, but there is time, he says, now. Listen to what he says. If what you have heard in Revelation hasn't changed you, there isn't much hope for you at all. Boom. That was it. That's the quote. If going through these months of Revelation has not, A, scared you out of hell, and into the arms of our loving Lord, isn't prepared you to say, Lord, maybe the things that I'm focusing on on this life doesn't mean anything because we saw that our whole earth will be burned up and melted, right? That new Tesla you have on order, gone. <laughs> Sorry. All of the attention. We are to be good stewards with what we have. I'm not telling you to let your grass grow up because you're going to like It's going to burn anyway. If the warning of this book are not sufficient, there is no more that God can say to you. Isn't that powerful? John Walvern in his commentary. If this book is not sufficient for God to show you how much he loves you, then he can do no more. And those living during this time of revelation, the, the time of the tribulation, they will see again God's hand over and over and then read letters again and behold he says it again I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work we can never really miss the note here of urgency and warning in all that Jesus tells us about his coming in fact in Matthew 24 44, he says therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. It is the expectant return of Jesus Christ that the church has lost it It has lost the uh the idea of being rapture minded. What do I do with that uh, Peter, at the end of 2 Peter 3, he talks about the end times, and he says, now that you know all of these things, what manner of living ought you to live? And Revelation does the same thing. It challenges us to live the life that is well-pleasing to our Lord. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and the idea is that is the Greek alphabet. So he says, just saying, 'I'm the beginning. I created all things, and I will end all things. He says, blessed, and again, these should probably be in red letters, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. And the idea is just keeping the commandments and not the ten commandments. What are the commandments for the church? We have two. Thank you, Lord. To love God and to love your neighbor. Jesus says, and in this, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled. Jesus knew we couldn't do 10, let alone 600 in the Old Testament. People always, this modern wave of going back to the law and, and doing the dietary system, I, I chuckle within myself and I say, go ahead, let me see you fulfill all 600 of them. Because the Bible says if you miss one, you're guilty in all of them. Oh, mankind wants to pick and choose what he wants to do. But I don't know about you. Ooh, this is rhyming. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'd rather just trust Jesus with two. So do fulfill his commandments. Follow what Christ is calling us to do. But outside our dogs. Now, you dog lovers, don't fret here. Are there only cats inside? (laughs) See, this is the problem with our modern world. We don't know what it's like to live in 33 AD. You see, guys, dogs back then were not like dogs today. There was not a $2 billion pet industry back then with the little coats and the hats and the costumes. Knock it off! (laughs) With you weirdos dressing up your poor dog. He doesn't like it. (laughs) In this day, dogs were not necessarily pets. Oh, there were some. But they were were really wild animals. And uh, the Jews used to pray this. Every morning, Lord, thank you that you did not uh, make me a Gentile, a woman, or a dog. How much has Jesus elevated women and Gentiles? And not all dogs go to heaven. Oh, I just crushed everybody's dreams. I don't know what it'll be. Knock it off. All we know is there are horses, right? That's all we know. That's the only animal that's in there that's listed. Don't try. We're going to see. Don't add. Don't you add your dogs to it or take away your dogs. Listen, the idea was, uh, in fact, there is some who think and there is some weight to this from the Old Testament that dogs here actually mean homosexual prostitutes from the Old Testament. So you can see the power of that word. But what is it trying to communicate? It tells us this in the entirety of the verse. But outside are dogs of sorcerers, sexual, immoral, murderers, idolaters, and those who practice a lie. The idea is those who are on the outside, and that is of the kingdom of God, they will not be allowed in. It is very possible that in the lake of fire that burns forever and ever, it is possible that they will be able to see this new Jerusalem, this kingdom, and know that they chose the lie, they chose the sin over a holy God. And eternity really isn't the pain and the suffering, although it is. It is the idea that I did not choose I did not choose love over there. How powerful is that? But again, we're just speculating at that point. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you the things in the churches, for I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hear say, come, and let him who thirst, whoever desires, let him take of the water freely. So, notice with me it says, come. Is that an invitation? It is an invitation. So everyone has an opportunity, notice at this point, him who hears, Everyone that hears has an opportunity today. You sitting here have no excuse not to come. Are you thirsty? Are you filling your life with everything other than Jesus? Because that's what the Bible would say. When you are thirsting something, you're trying to fill it with everything other than Jesus. And the only thing that will truly satisfy a man or a woman in this planet listen, is not a relationship with another human being, although that can and often does happen. It is a relationship with the Creator God. And then and only then will you ever be truly satisfied. Can I get a great big amen? Amen. So you know that. So come. It is an invitation. Now listen, with an invitation means that you have a part in the coming. Do you get that? I don't want to be over-spiritual here, but imagine if I if I've got on the table, uh, that table over here, put it on here, there's a present. It's clearly got your name on it. When is it your, your present? When you come and you receive it unto yourself. Everybody's name is, is sitting on that present today. But you have to get out of where you are where the issues in your life are, and surrender your life and say, I can't do it on my own. I will go and come. I will be filled, listen, of the water of life freely. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life. There is a portion for us to do. This is a human responsibility. Now, I differ in those who believe in Calvinism. And this, this, again, goes to the heart of man's free choice. Heaven would not be heaven if God forced you to be there. Would you want to be around somebody that's like, I can't believe this is glorious. I had like the best burger today, but I don't want to have that again tomorrow. Who wants to be in heaven with that guy? You're not going to be forced anywhere. And true love must be by your choice. That's true love. It's not what Hollywood portrays. True love is you having a choice. For God so loved the world, right? He hung on the cross for you and I. Now, whoever, who's a whoever? Look around. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's a choice today. And you cannot, when you stand before him a couple of chapters ago, in the great white throne, say, I didn't know. You will know, and he'll roll the tape of today. Come, he says. Let him who hears, come. Listen to, uh, it's, I don't want to say God is begging. Everybody got that? That's not the right human word to use but how how um, expressly in his tone he is trying to get everybody's attention please come let him who thirst come and let him take of the water freely for i testify to everyone verse 18 He who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away part of the light, uh, apart from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. So you have add, so you have the adders, and you have the takeawayers. Got that? The adders and the takeawayers. Now, again, John knows who these guys are. The adders are the Pharisees, and the takeawayers, this is awesome English today. <laughs> the takeawayers are the Sadducees. So you have the ultra conservative Pharisees, and then you have the ultra liberal Sadducees. My brain just went. Uh, silent there for a minute and uh, not a good thing and the thing is man always man in his arrogance thinks that he can improve on God's word so the beginning uh, today I said that we cannot improve on perfection right that's what the this this means the book that you are holding in your hand is perfect now let me say this because I don't want emails. Yes, there's a couple of copyist errors, but in its totality, in the thread of all 66 books, it is God's inerrant word without error. It is perfect. 66 books over in multiple languages, different authors across different continents writing one thread. How is that possible? It's not. It is only by divine instruction. And so what uh, I believe that these should be in red letters is that man cannot improve or make better God's word to mankind. So he says, if anyone adds to these things. Now, mindful of of this that he says this book, but in the Old Testament, there's another verse, and I'm sorry, it, it eludes my brain right now. It says the exact same thing that you cannot add or take away from God's word. So in the Old Testament, it's there, and in the New Testament, it's there. So you cannot add or take away from God's word. You cannot diminish God's word. We'll get to the taking away. But adding to that, that means you don't date set. You don't set forth things that are not in God's word. You don't add to that. You don't say Jesus and. You must have these sacraments to be saved. You don't say, women, you have to wear your hair this length in order to be holy in the sight of God, or this dress that you have to wear, or whatever the adding is, and there have been plenty of adding to God's Word, and it's not to be allowed. What is our favorite phrase here at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach? Where is that? In the Bible. And if it's not, then they are adders. Do you see that? They're adding to that. You cannot improve on what is perfect. But man in his arrogance says, well, Jesus really only said two commandments. We really should add a lot more because they really can't, you know, don't just go crazy. Don't just have liberty and freedom then. Wait, isn't that what Jesus said? Paul makes an entire argument about that. And so be careful not to be an adder. Don't add, not only to revelation, but to the entire word of God. I cannot stand Pharisees. But I really can't stand Sadducees. You see, the Sadducees were a unique people, right? Because they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in eternity. That's why, we're, that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> All I got today. Now think about what I just said. They don't believe in eternity, angels, or miracles. But they still want enough of a religion to, to make them feel warm and fuzzy. And so what they do is they take away. They only believe in the first five books, the Sadducees. And there are a lot of people who say, well, that doesn't apply to me anymore. That sin doesn't apply anymore. And so they have not only added to God's Word, but now they are taking away from the power that is inside of God's Word. This book that you hold in your hand is able to save people's lives because it's alive. And it's powerful. It's not just a book that sits on a shelf. It's the only book in man's history that is alive. It is able to save you from hell. To save you from the bottle and the needle. And to save you from everything else out there if you would look to the book. But the takeaways downplay I I, I don't want to go into this. I, I already have high blood pressure right now. They take away from the deity of Christ himself. And churches are more, churches become more about the human than about the one that created the human. Listen, we, we do our best to make you comfortable here. We provide for you nice chairs. Last week, one of the air units were out. It was a little hot. Thank you for not uh, complaining online and social media. By the way, who is excited that Facebook went out for a day? Yes. By the way, the world didn't collapse. <gasps> that was glorious. I don't even look at it. The only time I look at it is when I'm posting stuff from, from the church. I don't even look at it. I posted something <laughs> this morning about coming to church to hear the last message. I rarely go on it. It was glorious. What does that have to do today? Nothing that was free. So listen, we have the adders and the takeaways. Are you an adder today? Do you say that you must do this in order to be right with God? God cannot love you any more or any less. That's the thing about self-righteousness. We think that we can be better. Listen, this is not a competition in this room. How many of you are very competitive in this room? Yes, I have a few of them in my family. And most of you are lying. No. Listen, a lot of people are competitive and they think, well, I... And then they bring that into the church. This is not a competition. This is a... Now, hear this correctly. It's a race, but it's only for one person. Your race. You're running a race for Christ. Paul says, I look forward to the prize of the upward call of Christ. It's my race to run. Stop looking at other people's a race how they're running stop telling them how to run their race. Telling them that it, well you, if you had better shoes if you had a better you know, running outfit, if you had this or that, you would run your race better. Leave them alone. It's your race and your race alone. Don't add to it and don't take away from it. Don't say well the race isn't, isn't important. It is important. And a commitment to Jesus Christ is very important. He says, lastly, in verse 20 and 21, he who testifies to these things says, again, red letters, Jesus, I am coming quickly, or I am coming soon. Now it says, amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So even so, come Lord Jesus is one phrase. And maybe you have heard this phrase. Uh, Calvary Chapel and the Jesus Movement used it uh, to uh, for their record label, and it was Maranatha Music. And it is a phrase. This is the phrase. It's an Aramaic. It's an Aramaic phrase that uh, says, "Even so, Lord Jesus, come." It's one phrase, Maranatha. So when we say Maranatha, it means, "Lord, come, please, like right now." And get us. And there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, please come quickly. Come get us out of here. Why? Because Jesus says, I am coming quickly. So then our response is, okay, then come. Come quickly. Now listen, this is the last chapter that God will speak to mankind. And notice how he ends it. He says, I'm taking care of things. I'm giving you an opportunity to come to a saving knowledge of myself. I have prepared a place for you. I've gone away, and now I'm coming back to receive you unto myself. And I'm giving everyone the opportunity to accept me. Listen how God ends the last words to mankind. Grace. It is unmerited favor. It is, you are going to be in the new Jerusalem, not because of who you are, but because who you know. You know, I I don't like the old boy network. It's like, who you know, to get this and that. We've actually kind of experienced a little bit of that, Uh, uh, you know, being in a church over uh, 19 years. But it really is who you know for eternity. Not what you do. God cannot love you any more or any less today. He loves you. And he died for you. He came out of the tomb for you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all y'all. The Southern version. Amen. And that's how it ends. It ends with, so be it. That's what amen means. So be it. God started in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. At the end, God creates the new Jerusalem and the new planet that it goes on. In the beginning, man fell. At the end, God provided a way for man who did fall in sin, to come into a a relationship with him so that all would come to repentance and that none would be pushed out. Listen, you don't want to be on the dog list there, do you? You want to be inside, and the only way that you are inside is because of the last verse and the man that is in the last verse. He is fully God and fully man. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord, and he is coming soon. Well, I know you are very excited about what's coming next here at Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach. I have heard people so excited over the next book they're thinking about getting T-shirts. Let's put it on the screen, Micah. What's coming up next? Next week, read ahead, chapter 1. The book of Job. Now listen, that was pathetic. (laughs) Poor Job. It's like, no one wants to learn about me, he says, Lord. This guy is the most important guy that you're going to learn about in the Old Testament. This is a guy who went through it all to demonstrate, again, the grace of God. And that life on planet Earth is... Well, it's a great life, but it's filled with warfare and it's filled with suffering and it's with pain and tribulation and all that Jesus said. But through Jesus Christ, as we will see through the book of Job, we can endure. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the last months, Lord, in revelation. Thank you, Lord, that we are here at CCMB faithful to your word teaching all 66 books of the Bible, not leaving any out. They are all inspired of you. They all give us life. Even in areas, Lord, where we fully don't understand, and that's just okay. But your word declares to us your love and your mercy for mankind. And you use people like Job and Abraham and David to portray your love and your patience and your kindness. So, Lord, thank you. And we pray, Maranatha, we pray, Lord, that this generation is the last generation of the church and that this church, this bride goes to be with you, that you remove us from this world that is about to be judged for rejection of not only Christ but Israel. Thank you, Lord for all that you have done for us in 19 years here. Lord, that we have been faithful. You have given us a little strength, and we have not denied your word. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Go before us the rest of this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand. We have one exercise to do. Come on. You're like, exercise, I didn't know that was in the program. We're going to say Maranatha together, are you ready? It's a great way to end, Amen? amen? One, two, three. Maranatha, let's worship the Lord. Ever thought that the world has kind of lost its way? Mm-hmm. Crazy as it seems, yeah.